I read this article a while back that said that Microsoft employs more millionaire secretaries than any other company in the world. They took stock options over Christmas bonuses. It was a good move. I remember there was this photograph of one of the groundskeepers next to his Ferrari. Blew my mind. You see that and it just plants seeds. Makes you think it's possible, even easy. And then you turn on the TV and there's just more of it. That internet stock that shot through the roof. You could have made millions on it if you just got in early. And that's exactly what I wanted to do. Get in. Hi, everybody. This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. Opened up with that clip of a movie called The Boiler Room. It's a good thing we all got to do is get in. Get engaged. Get into the game. Stop sitting on the sidelines. Make something for yourself. You know, that movie is, uh, is actually was uh, put together. It's actually about uh, Jordan Belfort, who later uh, was uh, the subject of a book, a book and movie called The Wolf of Wall Street. I don't know that a lot of people know that, but uh, they're both about the same about the same company. And if you've seen it, every sales guy in the world has to has to know certain movies. Wall Street, The Wolf of Wall Street, Boiler Room, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. There's certain there's just certain uh, movies that every sales guy watches and knows by heart. And that one is uh, that's about getting in. And you know what? And the reason I open up with that is I have people ask me all the time, say, uh, Ed, what do you think? What do you think's going on with real estate? What do you think's going on with uh, with the economy? What do you think in our new political climate, where things are going? As a as a guy who does loans, as a real estate investor, I flip houses, I I buy and hold houses, I have commercial real estate. I'm sorry, my wife and I have commercial real estate, and we have investment properties, and uh, and then we have because uh, we have to we have to be. Uh, separate between what wholesale capital has which i own and uh what don and i have so uh but we've done a lot we've made some uh we've we've bought some stuff that i probably wouldn't have if i if i knew then what i know now um i've sold some stuff i probably wish i didn't and uh and i've made a lot of good moves and so quite frankly when i look at as trump was running for president you say oh well he filed bankruptcy four times yeah and well, you know, you he he had four things he he four investments he made that he probably shouldn't have, and uh, some of his uh, investors got got uh, uh, lost money in it along with him. I'm sure they've made enough on his other projects. Um, in my opinion, in my opinion, because a lot of people see the prices of real estate as uh, as almost back to where they were in 2008. So they're worried about the bubble. Now, I don't think we're going to have that bubble. I don't see it. I see the last bubble was caused by a bunch of people that had houses. And if, and if you were one of them, you know, I'm to what I'm done. I'm talking about you that should never have been given the loans to buy the houses that they bought. They knew it. I have a, I have one of my renters that said that signed a lease eight years ago. Yeah. Eight years ago when I first bought that house, they go, we refinanced our house two years ago, and we knew when we were signing the documents, we looked, both looked at each other, we probably shouldn't do this. This is probably a, a mistake. And sure enough, it was a mistake. They lost their house. But they've been uh, paying rent at my house at one of my uh, investment properties for the uh, last eight years. So uh, thank God for that. Oh, but I took advantage. I took advantage of some people on uh, having a hardship. No, I didn't. I, I, uh, I gave them a home. 
and when their when their home breaks, I send someone over to fix it. And uh, so it's good for me, good for them. But I don't see that now because everybody who's everybody who's qualifying for everybody who has loans now qualified for them with income and credit and all that stuff. And we're not giving away uh, 100% financing to people that uh, have never shown any ability to to uh, make a payment on time. And uh, the bubble before that was when uh, Bill Clinton closed down all the the uh, all the military bases. And for those of you that remember in the 90s when he closed down, uh, for those for those of us in the Inland Empire, California. Um, that closed down uh, March Air Force Base, Norton Air Force Base, which is about 20 miles away, and George Air Force Base, which is about uh, 40 miles from there. And, uh, you know, and all within a certain area, you've got all these military guys that are automatically, they're out of the military, so they don't have jobs. And you had all these people that were on government military contracts driving to LA for for Boeing and Rockwell and McDouglas uh, and Northrop and all these all this all this military spending was was going away and all these people were out, out of uh out of out of work and for the areas areas that had lots of equity they could fall back on their equity and still borrow on it to, until they got back to work and the and the places that were newer the Inland Empire you know Riverside San Bernardino County uh Palmdale Lancaster some of those areas where they were building a lot of new houses people didn't have equity yet cuz they just bought brand new houses and they hadn't had a chance to build up equity and then they got pool loans with no equity and they got and they they charged up everything and they didn't have any equity to fall back on they lost their houses um, I don't see that happening. I see the confidence in the economy. I see uh, new jobs coming in every day. It's something more positive for the for the economy. And while I, I look at everything not through rose colored glasses, I just see I see a healthy healthy uh, real estate environment. I do see that that same thing is going to cause interest rates to go up. So uh, if you're uh, if if you've been thinking about refinancing or if you've been thinking about buying, um, don't keep don't uh, keep putting it off and uh, from a purchase standpoint remember when the interest rate goes up your buying power goes down because hey you qual you don't qualify for a particular purchase price you qualify for a particular payment so uh if as the interest rates go up that same loan amount has a higher payment so if you're thinking about getting ready to get ready to get ready call me but first before I go any further, maybe you should know why you should call me. So let me introduce myself before I go on to talk about uh, what's happening in this country. My name is Ed Hoffman, President of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender, located here in Southern California, offices all over the place. Uh, we do business in California, Arizona, and if you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and you need financing, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020, day or night. Toll-free area code 855-640-2020. If you want to get in touch with me but you don't want to talk on the phone, you can find me at wccloans.com where you have all kinds of uh, mortgage information for you, different kinds of programs. And if you want to apply for a loan or get specific information for you, go to the Loan Center tab, click on the Apply Now button. And, uh, and if you would like to email me first, click on the contact page, fill out the form. It goes directly to me and my team. And you will hear back from me or one of my teammates and we'll contact you in any form that you want. Uh, telephone, cell phone, office phone, home phone, uh, beeper, smoke signals, however you want to do it, email. Um, and uh, if you want to, if you any part of the show you want repeated, go to edhoffman.net, E-D-H-O-F-F-M-A-N.net. Click on the podcast page. You can listen to it on demand anytime. 
You can also get the main event podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes where you can subscribe for free, have it download to your computer, your iPhone, your iPad, your iPod, uh, whatever device you listen to podcasts on. I'm sure there's a million other other devices that I don't even know about yet because uh, I'm over 30. So uh, and be sure to connect with the show on social media. Follow me on Twitter at Ed Hoffman at Ed Hoffman where I tweet about current events all week long. Some weeks more than some weeks, I, some weeks it seems like I'm tweeting all day long or I'm tweeting all, all evening or, uh, and then some, some weeks it seems like I just don't get inspired to tweet. And then something comes on the, comes on the, uh, something happens on TV and, and my wife's going, you better tweet about that. So follow me on, on Twitter and uh, like the show on Facebook, facebook.com slash the main event at Hoffman. Now, we also have uh, our new feature, our main event listener hotline. I mentioned it last week where you can leave me a voicemail. Tell me what you think of the show. Uh, you know, I always say uh, everyone has has an opinion and you're all entitled to mine, but now I want to hear yours. So call the main event listener hotline, 855-640-2092. 855-640-2092. Uh, keep, it, keep it short. Keep it sane. Give it to me straight. I'm not afraid to hear your opinions because uh, I know some of you guys... Uh, don't agree with me, but that's because you're wrong. Uh, but go ahead and tell me anyway, and I'll play some of your me- uh, messages on the show from time to time. Uh, no profanity, please. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. 855-640-2092. So I've been talking about mortgages for the first five minutes, ten minutes of the show, um, which I normally don't do because it's boring. But you know, a lot of people have been asking me recently. You know, a lot of investors actually saying, "Hey, you you own real estate. You have buy and holds. You flipped." You've bought and hold in 1031 exchange. You've done this. You've done that. What's your opinion? And my opinion is it's still a good time. But remember, when you're buying properties to invest in, and I'm not talking about buying a house to live in, when you're buying a house to, to invest in, it's all about cash flow. If you're buying and holding, it's all about cash flow. How much money am I putting out and how much money am I getting back? How long does it take to get a, your return on your money? And uh, some people will lay out all their cash. I had somebody somebody call in, talk to one of my teammates, and when they got to a uh, a uh, point in the conversation where he started to question somebody, he goes, "What would Ed do? Can you just ask Ed? Give Ed the 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 details." And when you call my team, we all work together. There's there's about five or six of us, and and uh, if there if any of those guys have any kind want some kind of opinion, we all sit within ten feet of each other. And we all we all talk to. So whether you're talking to Eric or Cody or Alex, or uh, or Aaron or uh, Oscar, you are, we're all you know, they're all you're always talking to me. And and in my opinion, I asked uh, uh, Eric said, hey, what would, this is what he's buying a duplex for this and that. And he's putting this much down into it. And the question was on a duplex to get a twenty percent down, you have to get a less than prime loan, and the interest rates higher, or you have to put twenty five percent down to get a, a the standard A paper loan. He goes, what would Ed do? Because I really don't have enough money to do the rehab and put 25% down. That extra 5% was my rehab money. And I and I went through the numbers. I said, I'd back out because you know, your cash on cash return is, is nothing. You lay out all your cash reserves to buy a bill. Doesn't make any sense. So, uh, but anyway, if you're thinking about doing that, if you're thinking about refinancing, you're thinking about buying, investing, uh, reverse mortgages. I do it all. Call me 855-640-2020. Okay. So let's talk about what's happening in this country because that's what you guys want to listen to. And, uh, today is, uh, today, this weekend marches depends on when you're listening to me. If you're listening to me on Saturday or Sunday or Monday, um, 
but Saturday marks the 100th day of Donald Trump's presidency. We're going to cover some of his big accomplish- uh, big accomplishments on the show today because, of course, the mainstream media has already pronounced his first 100 days to be a disaster. Listen to some of the headlines. New York Times, Donald Trump's first 100 days, the worst on record. Los Angeles Times, Trump at the first 100-day mark, stable support but few achievements. The New York Daily News, a singularly awful first 100 days for President Trump. And the Washington Post, what the Washington Post, the Simpsons has a grim take on the on the Trump's first 100 days. What did the Simpsons do? Well, here's here's how the animated TV show opened this week. 100 days in office, so many accomplishments, lowered my golf handicap, my Twitter following increased by 700, and finally, we can shoot hibernating bears. My boys will love that. Sir, here's a new bill that you must read immediately. It lowers taxes for only Republicans. Can Fox News read it? Now watch what they say. Uh, no, you have to read it. Oh, God, this is horrible. This was supposed to last me the whole four years. Marge, please, give the President of the United States some time. He's only 70 years old. You know what? The people that watch The Simpsons, and I don't, um, I can't say I've never seen it, but the people who watch it and get their news from The Simpsons, obviously are, you know, if you if you watch this and actually take this seriously, um, I'm not sure, I'm not exactly sure what the what the significance of this is. He's only 70 years old. You know Nancy Nancy Pelosi is seventy seven years old. When is she going to retire? Uh, Diane Feinstein is like eighty three years old. She, I think she died already, and they just haven't they just haven't told her. Um, and you know what? Some of these people in Congress. You know, Don and I watch this. When are we going to get rid of all these old people? But you know what? I would put Donald Trump's energy level and his brain power up up against most people in their fifties or forties. This guy's. This guy is. Uh, is he's a little. He's a little out there sometimes in some of the ways he delivers some stuff. But he's a sharp, smart businessman, and uh, and he's and he's learning the rest as he goes. Which, quite frankly, I don't have any problem. But uh, let's look at the fact because you know what? We'll talk about Obama. And we'll talk about some of the other presidents along the way. But let's look at the facts. According to the White House, Trump has signed. 30 executive orders in his first 100 days. This is 11 more than Barack Hussein Obama and 19 more than George W. Bush. Now, remember, Barack Hussein Obama was signing executive orders because he was allergic to talking to anybody. He didn't talk to the Congress. He didn't talk to the House of Representatives. He didn't talk to the senators. You know, while he's out golfing, he's golfing with his Hollywood uh, Hollywood rap stars and all that stuff. He's not you know, Trump once said, hey, if you're going to be out on the golf course all the time, golf with senators, golf with congressmen, golf with people that you can actually accomplish something going in a different setting and you can actually discuss some things and actually uh, actually accomplish something. Um, Trump is basically signing executive orders to say, hey, this is we're going to start working towards this. You know, and and they're there's and we'll talk about those. The closest the closest the president the closest the president in terms of executive orders in the first 100 days is Lyndon Johnson, who signed 26. I don't really care. Um, let's recap his uh, executive order so far. A review of national monument designations by previous administrations. Wait, he signed an executive order to say, hey, let's review this. Some of these national monument designations. Um, Obama did some executive orders to to call some areas in Utah uh, national national monuments, which basically protected some animals and it kept us from drilling there. And for those of you that don't pay attention to this, um, I think they have enough oil under the ground in Utah to, uh, just in Utah, 
not Alaska, not North Dakota, not everywhere else, just in Utah to, to fuel our whole country for like 10, 20 years. The whole thing. But he declared it some area called a Bears Ears National Park or Bears Ears something. He created a national national monument and uh, to protect us from being able to drill there. Uh, he uh, next executive order. He launched a probe to determine if foreign steel is hurting the U.S. national security. Okay, uh, by buying steel from other countries, does that hurt the U.S. national security? He didn't say that it was. He said let's let's launch a probe and figure it out. What kind of dangers are we doing by building our our buildings with foreign steel, or what other, what else could be there? Let's let's look into that. A review of the H one B visa program. We talked about that last week and the use of foreign workers. Establish establishment of a commission to combat drug addiction and opioid crisis. He didn't come out and say, "Hey, this is there's too many people taking drugs." He said, "Let's establish a commission to to uh, combat this and let's come up with some plans." A review of the Clean Power Plan, which restricted greenhouse gas emissions at coal-fired power plants. So uh, in the Obama administration, they just decided that it was too dirty to uh, use coal-fired power plants. So they basically shut down the coal mining industry, which to us in California and to, you know, 40 out of the 50 states probably doesn't mean anything. But to people in West Virginia and uh, Virginia and some of the areas out there where that's that's their whole economy. Uh, those those kind of people are a uh, little uh, de- kind of devastated their lives. In fact, uh, Van Jones, who was our green green uh, jobs czar for the Obama administration, um, he put out some kind of a video that Obama or uh, Trump doesn't care about coal miners because if they repeal Obamacare, they're going to be without insurance. Well, guess what? They're going to have jobs now. They're going back to work, uh, you know, mining coal. They'll have health insurance. They don't need Obamacare. Okay, so he uh, signed an executive order, an audit of the executive branch, meaning is there, let's audit how the executive branch of government works and can we do it more efficiently? Wow, that's a pretty intense executive order. A review of the 2010 Dodd-Frank financial regulatory law. As a guy who owns a mortgage company, I'll tell you this is my favorite, okay, because the Dodd-Frank regulatory law uh, for, for banks and mortgage companies and just about anything financial um, you know, you got a guy like uh, Barney Frank and Christopher Dodd who basically um, did some side deals along the way in the in the Clinton years, which created the more the the mortgage meltdown, the whole economic meltdown in the in the global economy. And how are we going to fix it? You take the two the the same two guys that orchestrated that and say, let's make up some laws, let's make up a new rule, a new uh, bill, the Dodd Frank bill, to come up with solutions for it. And as soon as they wrote it, they retired. I think I even heard Barney Frank say a couple years ago that it should be it should be repealed that it doesn't that it doesn't work anymore. But I'll tell you that that thing does not protect the consumer because every little piece of legislation it does to protect the consumer trickles down and just makes everything more expensive. Uh, okay, next uh, executive order restructuring the National Security Council and Homeland Security Council. Hmm. That might be a good idea. Let's make sure that the that the Homeland Security and the National Security Agency uh, work together better. Uh, directing the Department of Defense to draw a 30-day plan to defeat ISIS. Remember when Trump said that? Hey, I'm giving him 30 days to come up with a plan to, de- to defeat ISIS. Well, that was more than 30 days ago. How come we haven't heard anything about it? Uh, maybe because they don't want everybody else to know about it. I don't have any problem with that. Mad Dog Mattis, James Mattis, Secretary of Defense. 
um, uh, uh, John Kelly, the Homeland, is he Homeland Security or he's the NSA? No, he's Homeland Security. And you've got, uh, is it H, uh, HR McMasters? Don't quote me on the HR part. But McMasters, who's the head of the NSA, you know what? Those guys are competent. I'm sure that they can come up, they can come up with a plan and they don't need to discuss it with the public. Well, we have a right to know who says. I don't care. Just protect our country. You don't have to tell me and at the same time tell ISIS how we're going to get them. Um, extending the ban on administration officials working as lobbyists to five years. Okay, which means you get out of you get out of government. You can't go to work for a company using your in inside uh, connections to try and get them favors from the government for five years. Nothing wrong with that. And the travel ban, which restricted immigration from six Muslim uh, majority countries, which keeps getting uh, stopped by uh, liberals who, you know what? I don't understand these liberals in this country. You don't want to protect us from the bad guys, and you don't want to build a wall. Can you say uh, undocumented Democrats? Maybe that's what they should call them instead of illegal immigrants. Um, I don't know, but it just seems peculiar that these guys find find some kind of ways that ways to stop these stop these uh, these actions that are made to protect us and make them sound like they're being so uh, patriotic. And of course, uh, this Friday morning, uh, he signed the uh, order opening up the Alaska's to. The Alaska, what's called America First Offshore Energy Strategy. Um, we're opening up Alaska and some offshore uh, offshore areas to explore and drill. I'll call it the Drill Baby Drill Act. Let's hear a clip. There's a great day for American workers and families, and today we're unleashing American energy and clearing the way for thousands and thousands of high-paying American energy jobs. Our country is blessed with incredible natural resources, including abundant offshore oil and natural gas reserves. But the federal government has kept 94% of these offshore areas closed for exploration and production. And when they say closed, they mean closed. This deprives our country of potentially thousands and thousands of jobs and billions of dollars in wealth. I pledged to take action, and today I am keeping that promise. This executive order starts the process of opening offshore areas to job-creating energy exploration. It reverses the previous administration's Arctic leasing ban. So hear that. It reverses the previous administration's Arctic leasing ban and direct Secretary Zinke to allow responsible development of offshore areas that will bring revenue to our treasury and jobs to our workers. Hey, you know what? Think about this logically. Does that make you feel good or does it make you feel bad? Oh my God, they're going to drill for oil. Guess what? I don't care how many cars Tesla builds or how many Priuses or Volts or any of that stuff. We have, what, 200 million gas uh, gas guzzling cars on the road, uh, internal combustion engines out there that run on oil. We're not going electric overnight. We've got years and years and years of, of needing oil and to power our country. Why buy it somewhere else if we have it here? Why keep why why employ the people overseas to create oil so that we can buy it from them? Why not drill it from our own place and employ our people? 
If you're listening to the stuff on TV and you're going, well, Trump really isn't doing anything. Guess what? Open your ears and think for yourself. Listen to this stuff. These are jobs. Keystone Pipeline, jobs. Uh, companies companies pulling out of Mexico and staying here. Uh, Carrier, uh, uh, Ford, all these. Di- well, you know what? When he says, hey, Mexico's going to pay for the wall, they're already paying. They're already paying by all the jobs and all the all the production that they lost because Trump uh, in, uh, encouraged, influenced uh, these companies to stay in America, promising them, promising that we're going to have a regulatory reform and some tax cuts, which we're going to talk more about in a few minutes. Because I'm out of time for part one of the main event. When we come back, we're going to talk about everything else that's going on, and we're going to make you feel good about who we elected in November because actually things are going good. Don't listen to the don't listen to the stuff you hear in the newspapers and the TVs because it's uh, it's all bull. Anyway, uh, stay tuned for five minutes of traffic, weather, and commercials, and I'll be right back with part two of the main event. Don't go away. And welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman, president of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. I don't talk very much about real estate. I'm talking more than I used to because uh, there's not as much dumb stuff going on in the in the country now. It's I'm pointing out good stuff. But uh, if if that spurs you to uh, to get off the fence and buy refinance or do a reverse mortgage, and you need to talk to someone who thinks like you, call me toll free at eight five five six four zero twenty twenty eight five five six four zero twenty twenty. Also, I'll reannounce our listener hotline. If uh, if you got an opinion on anything I say. Or something I should have said, or something I didn't say, or uh, you just want to give me your opinion. Eight five five six four zero twenty ninety two is the main event listener hotline. Eight five five six four zero twenty twenty ninety two. So we've been talking about the first one hundred days, and uh, we talked about all the uh, all the the thirty the thirty executive orders that that uh, Trump did, and I pointed out basically what he's doing, and uh, and quite frankly, you know, he this guy's talking to people. And on top of the on top of the uh, 30 executive orders, there's 13 Congressional Review Act resolutions Trump has signed, uh, which is more than any other president. The resolutions are designed to identify unnecessary regulations and block them from being issued. And before anyone says that all the executive orders are bad because they don't require the president to work with Congress, listen to this. The Trump administration has worked with Congress to pass 28 laws during his first 100 days, more than any other president since Harry Truman. So I got the list of laws that he passed, and uh, I fell asleep reading them because they weren't anything fun or exciting. Because guess what, you can't do any any uh, major stuff quickly. And the fact that we didn't repeal Obamacare, that we didn't do a lot of stuff in the first 100 days, I don't care. I see I see movement, so I'm happy. And uh, so here's some of the fun facts from history. As it turns out, some of our best remembered presidents have had a tough time in their first 100 days. Uh, William Henry Harrison died before his first 100 days were completed. Hmm. I don't remember him very well. Thomas Jefferson's vice president, Aaron Burr, shot and killed Alexander Hamilton and hatched the plot against the U.S. in the first 100 days. Abraham Lincoln had to deal with the South's succession in his first 100 days. What does that mean? Oh, yeah, the the South, the, the Southern states decided they didn't want to be part of the United States anymore. Hence the Civil War. Hence the uh, they didn't want to they didn't want to be part of the of the uh, of the United States because uh, Abraham Lincoln wanted to free the slaves and they just didn't like that idea. You know what? I used to talk about uh, what we had slaves at our house. They were called teenagers, 
And uh, now we don't have teenage slaves at our house because our kids grew up and moved out. You know what? Some of you guys, should, some of you guys got teenage kids at home. You should make them into your slaves. They'll leave. They'll move out of the house sooner. Um, so anyway, John F. Kennedy pro- proceeded with a disastrous Bay of Pigs operation in Cuba. First 100 days, John F. Kennedy uh, basically uh, they they tried to overthrow the Castro administration. They did it kind of uh, with the they kind of did a Obama or a or a Jimmy Carter operation. They sent half the guys they needed. They used only air instead of air and uh, naval, and they did it kind of kind of half-heartedly, and uh, everybody died. Um, but John F. Kennedy, all we remember about him is, uh, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Oh yeah. And then that Marilyn Monroe thing and all that. Ronald Reagan was shot by John Hinckley in his first 100 days. I don't think that was kind of a rough start. Don't know we could blame it on him. Bill Clinton approved the don't ask, don't tell policy for gays serving in the military, an initiative that's still mocked to this day. And Obama signed an $825 billion stimulus package that did little to lift America out of recession. It did help his uh, brother-in-law who ran a company called Solyndra, uh, who uh, they gave $500 million to uh, to make uh, solar panels, and then they quickly filed bankruptcy. I don't know. You know, Obama came into office with basically nothing and he left. He's got like $26 million in the bank and he seems to be doing pretty okay. I don't know how you accumulate that much money in eight years being the president. I mean, I know you don't have to pay for your lifestyle, but he only made uh, 400,000 times eight. That's 3.2 million. Uh, And he had to pay taxes on that. So that makes it 1.6 million. Uh, How did he come up with 26? I don't know. It's probably more than that. So uh, while Trump had some difficulties in his first 100 days, including the news this week that Mike Flynn was even more involved with Russian interests than previously thought, and hid from our government a $33,000 payment from Russian TV appearance, that seems pretty insignificant compared to the other presidents throughout history. Uh, And remember what Mike Flynn did, he did while he was uh, working in the Obama administration. Yep, that's right. That seems uh, that so. Uh, speaking of Mike Flynn, reporters grilled Sean Spicer on him Thursday, questioned whether he should have had some kind of second security clearance, even though he was already cleared by the Obama administration. Listen to this. So General Flynn came in with just the Obama administration vetting. Is that right? That's how every okay. That's the impression you're giving. It that is. General Flynn came in and he, he walked through the door with just the clearance that was conducted by the Obama administration. That doesn't make any sense. Sure, it does. The same way that when you applied for a credential to the White House press briefing room, when you were here, hold on, just let, hold on. Let me explain the answer to you, Jim. Calm down. The kids have gone. The, hold, hold, I, and I'm trying to answer it, Major. This is the answer. When you applied, hold on, listen. When you applied to come here to this briefing room, as a member of the press, you applied and you fill out certain forms with the Secret Service to have your background run. When I came in here on January 20th, the people that had been cleared the day before were cleared on the 20th, the 21st, and et cetera. We didn't rerun your background. We trust that when you were cleared the first time, whether if you were cleared on you know, December 15th or January 20th, that you were still, that your background check still cleared. Every individual came into this White House, either applied for a security clearance or had one. Everyone in the government goes through the same SF-86 process, every single person. 
And so why would you rerun a background check on someone who is the head of the Department of I mean, the Defense Intelligence Agency that had and did maintain a high-level security clearance? That's it. It doesn't – there's no difference between administrations. When you come in from one, they rerun it. You, they, the reason they grant them for five years is that it's a very extensive background where they check your contacts, your places of residence, your employment. They go out into the field. They do a lot of that work. And then you are – required to maintain updates to that clearance. They re-adjudicate it every five years. That occurred in this case. And this just in from the hypocrisy department. Does anybody remember uh, the Secretary of State, uh, Hillary Rodham Clinton? Do you remember her her uh, assistant, Uma Abedin, who didn't have any security clearance, saw all Hillary Clinton's emails, uh, put them on a, uh, they, then they put them on an unsecure email server. Does anybody remember that she's, that Uma Abedin had, had a high, high, uh, uh, what am I looking for? Top secret classified emails on her email account on a computer that she shared with her husband at the time, uh, Anthony Weiner, who had no security clearance and he was, uh, I don't know, sexting and doing various uh, embarrassing things on the computer and on his on his phone. How come nobody's asking about that? So everything seems reasonable to me as to how uh, how the Trump administration is taking people with already had security clearances. At least he had a security clearance. But nobody cares about what uh, what Clinton did because she's a Clinton above the law. So uh, we can also add to Trump's first 100-day accomplishments that he avoided a government shutdown by making uh, two major concessions to Democrats this week as Congress passes passed its final spending bill for fiscal year 2017. The first was on Tuesday when President dropped the demand for $1.4 billion to fund the border wall in order to avoid a Democrat filibuster that would have ultimately led to the shutdown so they could say, hey, in its 100th day, the government shut down. What a guy. And, you know, the reason that this doesn't bother me is because I built a commercial building in 2000. Uh, well, we started in 2003 and I thought I could I bought this piece of dirt and I said I could build this building for instead of buying a, a building in a in a less desirable part of town and and uh, rehabbing it and spend all this money. I could buy a piece of dirt in a desirable area on the freeway in a good in a good location and I could build it for instead of spending a million and a half. So I'll spend two million and. Uh, and you know what? It was over. I figured it would take a year, and over a year later, I still hadn't even broken ground, and I got a million, a million one hundred thousand dollars into it. And I thought the whole project would be two million. By the end of three years, we finally finished it, uh, four and a half million dollars later, and uh, which is peanuts compared to some projects out there. But for me, you know, I noticed that you know what, building a wall that's going to cost fourteen billion dollars or however much it's going to cost, there's a lot of planning that has to go into that before you actually have to start breaking ground and doing all that stuff. So I don't really think whether we got funding for it in the first 100 days or whether it happens in the next 200 or it happens uh, at the end of fiscal year 2017, which is in October. Um, I don't really think it matters because there's a lot of planning and strategizing and engineering and bids and all that stuff that have to happen first. So um, um, let's see, where did I leave off? Uh, so here's Sean Spicer on the plan to make funding the wall a bigger priority in fiscal year 2018. His priorities have not changed. There will be a wall built. 
It's important to prevent human trafficking, gangs like MS-13 from coming into the country, the flow of illegal drugs, illegal immigration. There is a national and economic safety issue uh, by having a wall that ensures our country's safety. Um, and there's plenty of planning that can be done in FY17. We're going to continue. Our priorities are clear going into FY17, the remainder of budgeting for that. And we'll continue to ask for more in FY18. So it's delayed for now? No, I didn't. No, 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 no. I never, no one said delayed. No, no, there's a CR. No, no. It's, there's two budget processes. Right now, we're going to end FY17 this week. We hope to continue to get funding in that, as the president laid out, for both border security and homeland security and national defense, as we've always maintained. And then when we come to FY15, uh, excuse me, FY18, that starts at the end of or beginning of October, the end of September, in that next budget, we'll go for the next group of money. So but you expect partial funding. I, I think around. we're going to make, we, we've made our priorities very clear as we continue uh, to negotiate. And I think nothing has changed on the president's priorities. And uh, you know what? You, you can hear the you can hear the the press people pressing to, pressing him to say, "Oh yeah, we are delaying it. They're doing anything to put something in the paper that that said, hey, Trump's backing off.' I guarantee you that wall is going to get built. And uh, on Wednesday, Trump had his his second compromise to avoid the shutdown by dropping opposition to Obamacare sub subsidy known as cost sharing reductions. Uh, and the same day the White House announced President's new tax reform plan. If signed into law, this would deliver sweeping changes to our tax code. And uh, let me explain what hit the highlights of uh, Trump's tax plan. Uh, income taxes, uh, The current our current tax plan has seven different uh, brackets, 10, 15, 25, 28, 33, 35, and 39.6. The Trump proposal goes to three brackets, 10, 25, and 35. Um, to me, this is a nothing. Uh, I think it, well, look, it's only three brackets. How much easier that is. I don't care. I know what I want to know what, uh, you know, the top bracket is 39.6 goes down to 35. To me, that's not enough of a drop, but, uh, that's me. Um, the standard deduction, standard deduction goes from $6,300 a year for singles, 20, 12,600 for married couples, decreases the deduction so that married couples could claim 24,000, which means um, if you're not itemizing, you get a bigger write-off for normal normal costs that you just have your standard deduction. So if you don't have a bunch of itemized deductions, you can just take that right off the top uh, before you have to start paying taxes. So that's a good thing for, uh, for married people. Uh, alternative minimum tax limits certain benefits for higher income earners. That goes away. So let me explain a little bit what this makes. If you make more than $170,000, $180,000, you don't get to write off your 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 uh, your property taxes, your charitable giving, your mortgage interest does nothing for you. Okay? That's why I'm trying to pay my house off cuz I make more than that. And so all the mortgage interest I pay on my house, mine and Don's personal residence, we don't get we don't get any benefit from it. Do I still list it on my schedule A of my taxes? Yes, but the alternative minimum tax just eliminates that. So the same thing with those of you guys getting hero loans. Well, it increases your taxes, so your property tax go up, you get to write those off. If you make more than $180,000 a year, you don't get it all. And at a certain point, you don't get any of it. This eliminates that, so now you actually get a tax deduction for that regardless of your income. Um, capital gains tax takes the top rate from 28 down to no higher than 20. So a few years ago, if you sold something you'd owned for more than two years, like a property that wasn't your personal residence, um, you paid 15% uh, uh, to the federal government and 10% to the state in California. It's 10%. Um, now, uh, then when Obama got in there, he raised it to 28% to the feds plus 10%. Let me tell you, give you an example. I have a rental house 
that I've had rented, rented for um, seven, eight years. Renter moved out. And when I went in there, I just go, ugh, it needs this, needs that. You know, the renter didn't treat it very well. And I went in and I, and I rehabbed it like I would like to. Not how I did it when I first got it. But I'm saying, hey, you know what? This is a nice house in a nice area. And I sent, I spent 40 grand on the thing. I spent 40 grand cabinets, countertops. I redid a patio cover. I painted the outside, changed the color, uh, all the new doors and new, and I did new tile. I did, I did it up. I mean, it's a nice house. I didn't need to go that extravagant, but I figured, Hey, it's a good tax deduction. And, uh, so I'll do it now while the, while the taxes are high. But I thought about, hey, it's so nice now. Maybe I'll sell it. The problem is, is that I probably made, uh, I don't know, 150,000 profit since I bought it. And let's just say it's 100,000 because I just spent $40,000 on it. That's $38,000 I have to pay in taxes if I sell it. I think I'll just stick a renter in it and ride it for a little while longer. Because it's, uh, it's a very good renting house and it's positive cash flow. So... But you know, had I sold it, there's a there's two realtors that would have got commissions. There's uh there's escrow people and title companies and all these people that would have got commissions on that. And there's a whole bunch of people that would have made money on that. Then they would have gone and spent that money elsewhere. And there'd be a whole bunch of movement in the economy because those transactions happen. Guess what? I'm not the only one who thinks like that. So there's a lot of stuff that's not moving because the taxes are too high. Say, well, if I sell it, I got to pay all the money to the taxes. I don't want to do that. I'll hold on to it for a while. So think about that. Corporate taxes, top rate now is 39%, going down to no higher than 15. Tax deductions, dozens of deductions, loopholes allow individuals and corporate tax to reduce their tax burden. Uh, Trump's plan eliminates everything except for mortgage interest and charitable giving. So uh, I'm excited about that. What does that mean? People with a lot of money, that alternative minimum tax doesn't allow them to get the write-off, will start giving more to charities because that's the only way they can save some taxes. Is there mortgage interest and, and charitable giving? What does that mean? We don't have to tax the tax everybody so much and have the government help out the under the underprivileged or the people that actually need help. We can give it to the churches and let the churches do it, or we can give it to the nonprofits that actually funnel that stuff to the people that need it rather than just skimming the top and and uh, you know taking our money. So there's a lot of good things there, folks. You should uh, not just listen to what the what the pundits say about this stuff. This is good for the economy. Taxes go down, more people invest, more people get get jobs, more people working, speeds up the velocity of money, and as the money moves through the economy, our economy gets better. People are spending more jobs, more jobs, more jobs. Everybody's paying a little bit of taxes, nobody's paying a lot, and everybody's prospering. And uh, those people on EBT cards, that go, I'm gonna lose my benefits. Guess what, you're gonna get a paycheck and you'll be a lot happier than you even thought you would. And of course, the biggest landmark accomplishment of Trump's, Trump's first 100 days, the su- Supreme Court uh, appointment of Judge Neil Gorsuch uh, to the uh, court, ensuring that we don't have uh, a 5-4 split going towards the liberals in this country. Okay, so I'm, uh, I've am got a lot to say and only a little bit more time. So uh, immigration and legislation news, Trump avoided a government shutdown, but the Democrats did what they what they do best these days, they went judge shopping to find a federal judge to reverse one of Trump's executive act- actions, in this case, the action that denies federal funding to sanctuary cities. They ended up finding Judge William Oreck. Doesn't he make vacuum cleaners? I don't know. Will, uh, he's a federal judge in San Francisco. Hard to imagine someone in San Francisco would want to stop 
us from defunding uh, sanctuary cities. He sided with, uh, with his county and the neighboring county, Santa Clara, on the conclusion that Trump's action to stop federal funds from sanctuary cities was unconstitutional. Wait a minute. We're a country. Country is a uh, was is uh, comprised of a bunch of states and counties and cities. Aren't we all one country, though? You, uh, we all abide by the same basic set of rules. I have a hard time understanding how the cities and counties think that they don't have to follow federal laws. Listen to County Supervisor uh, Dodge Tucker Carlson's question about the time that Obama did the very same type of action. To violate separation of powers. Thank God for the judicial branch because we have an executive branch that's trying to direct local governments when they're not empowered to do so. They're okay, trying. So, uh, this executive I, branch is trying uh, look, to usurp I, I guess, Congress's sp- power. Sp- please spare me the lecture because you've just elided over a fact that you're ignoring, which is we just had eight years of this happening. The Obama administration threatened to withdraw federal funds from states that didn't go by its transgender bathroom policies. Was that was that unconstitutional also? Well, I'm here to tell you that since 2010, uh, we made the decision here along with Cook County. Um, two counties in the United States of America stood up uh, to Homeland Security and ICE and said, We're, we are not going to hold people in an unconstitutional manner uh, despite whatever requests you make. Uh, we've been vindicated. Uh, we're not only vindicated today, okay. we've been vindicated by look, every court that's uh, looked look, at the I'm, issue. I'm, I'm sorry. And I've this given, you, saying, I've given anyway. you an opportunity to give your editorial. I'd like you to answer my question, which is a very simple one. There's a precedent being set here by a federal judge that states do not have to comply with federal law and can't be punished for not doing so. That is a major departure from where we've been for my whole lifetime. Do you think that the Obama administration was right to threaten a withholding of federal funds from states that didn't comply with its transgender bathroom laws? That's a uh, orders. That's a really simple question. Uh, I'm telling you that this is the first president of the United States that's threatened with an executive order to withhold, um, in our case, up to $1.7 billion from us. It's unconstitutional. Can you notice that liberals don't have any, any common sense uh, explanation for anything they have their they have their written talking points and when tucker carlson asked him what's the difference between this? oh wait we're stopping illegal immigrants from coming in rather than stopping uh rather than forcing uh counties to counties to create more bathrooms for transgenders um i don't know it's a it's a difference here i don't know what the deal is it's common sense but uh they don't they don't know what they're talking about it's amazing. It's amazing. And speaking of immigration, Ted Cruz had an innovative idea this week to fund the border wall with uh, money forfeited from the criminal prosecution of drug lords, namely Mexico's El Chapo Guzman. Speaking to Tucker Carlson on Wednesday, the senator explained the bill that he introduced this week, and it's called Ensuring Lawful Collection of Hidden Assets to Provide Order. Okay, remember that El Chapo, El Chapo, Ensuring Lawful Collection of hidden assets to provide order. See, it's the El Chapo Act. Isn't that cute? Uh, Here's Ted Cruz. El Chapo, as you know, notorious drug lord, leader of the Sinaloa drug cartel, uh, is in U.S. custody. He's being being prosecuted. And the, the federal government has initiated civil forfeiture actions. His fortune is estimated at $14 billion. Now, it so happens, coincidentally, that the, the estimated cost of the wall is between 14 and $20 billion. So the legislation I filed yesterday was very simple. It said any proceeds that are forfeited from El Chapo and from other drug lords shall be spent building the wall and securing the border. And, and i got to say, Tucker, that there's a justice to that. 
in that these drug cartels are the ones crossing the border with impunity, smuggling drugs, smuggling narcotics, engaged in human trafficking. They're the ones violating our laws, and it's only fitting that their ill-gotten gains fund securing the border. I agree. I agree 100%. And I don't know who could who could disagree with that. Otherwise, what are we doing with it? El Chapo's murdered people and and created all kinds of other, other uh, uh, crimes. He's not getting, we're not giving that money back. Let's build the wall. Let's do something productive with it. So uh, anyway, I'm not sure if I if I think uh, if I think Ted Cruz should be the next uh, Supreme Court uh, justice or if he should stay in Senate because the Supreme Court doesn't uh, make laws; they interpret them. And uh, and I think Ted Cruz does a good job of coming up with ideas to to fix laws. And uh, but that's not what a Supreme Court justice does. But uh, anyway, that's uh, my Ted Cruz part. So uh, in the next two minutes, minute and a half, I have left. Uh, uh, what's Obama been up to? Uh, Obama made his comeback this week and he emerged to speak at what else? A community organizing conference in Chicago. Remember how liberals always said Obama was highly qualified to run for Senate, then president because of his great accomplishments transforming transforming communities in Chicago. Eight years later, we're getting a different story. There were a group of churches out in the South Side who had come together to try to deal with the steel plants that had closed in the area and the economic devastation that had been taking place, but also uh, the racial tensions and uh, turnover uh, that was happening in these communities. And so they had formed an organization. They hired me as what was called a community organizer. And I did not really know what that meant uh, or how to do it. But I accepted the job. And he accepted the job with not knowing what he was getting into. Does that remind you of anything at all? He got into a job he didn't understand I think it reminds me of him being elected president. Hey, I've got a whole bunch more to talk about uh, what Obama said this week, and uh, and we'll we'll revisit that next week because we're out of time for this week's uh, episode of the the main event. But remember, if you're uh, if you've got an opinion on anything I've said, or something I should have said, or something you disagree with, or something you agree with, call the listener hotline 855-640-2092 and give me your opinion. I want to hear it. My name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening to the main event. I'll be back again with you next week. The content in this program is not intended to be legal advice. The views expressed are those of Ed Hoffman and his invited guests and do not necessarily reflect the views or policies of Wholesale Capital Corporation. WCC is licensed by the California Bureau of Real Estate Broker License Number 01147747 and California Finance Lenders License Number 603K610. Also licensed in Arizona by the Arizona Department of Financial Institutions, MB Number 096199.